0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom
1: All right, I'm recording. Yay, let's do it.
2: Sweet. Uh, Then we will sing in five, four, three, two, One. one. Sorry, that was slower, but once I got to three, it was like, can't speed up now. That's beats the whole point. <laughs>
3: You'll lose Joanna, that's the sure. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, he'd lose me too. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Hello
2: and welcome to A Storm of Spoilers, of season two. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and if I had to set a Tremors movie in any place or time... I would set it in a 1980s California shopping mall.
3: Ooh, it's like some Beastmaster 2 vibes. I'm Joanna Robinson, and if I were to set a Tremors movie in any location, anywhere in time or space, I would pick medieval England for some Bill and Ted-esque hijinks.
1: And I'm Neil Miller, and if I were to set a Tremors movie anywhere in space, time, or pop culture, I guess, uh, it would start on an airplane, but then the airplane would crash on a mysterious island, and then there's Graboids there. So it'd be like the island from Lost, but with Graboids. Graboid Island. Yep.
2: Mm, Tremors Eight and then the eight slowly rotates into infinity, and it's what? all of our ideas. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Strange
1: has seen all the different ways tremors can kill people, <laughs>
2: and it I mean, they're all correct. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Tremors podcast. Uh, that we call a storm of spoilers. That you know, we it's based off of a George R. R. Martin book name and like a Game of Thrones show, but as we've slowly transitioned into a Tremors podcast, we thought it'd be best. To have a podcast to commemorate the sixth Tremors movie, Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, which is available digitally on disc, uh, on Netflix right now. Hopefully you've watched it, or at least uh, dipped somewhat into the Tremors franchise to get back in the mood. The first one's always exit to revisit. All the uh, Tremors movies are currently streaming. You got one through four on HBO, or HBO Now, if you have access to that. And then five and six, already on Netflix, uh, for the full Tremors Digesting, if you are just joining us on Star of Spoilers and you're wondering why a Tremors podcast, go listen to our previous Tremors podcast, where we cover movies one through five. This will mostly be about movie six, and then we're going to cap it off with an interview with Michael Gross himself, who plays Burt Gummer, who it turns out is the calm, cool center of the Tremors franchise. Didn't is start that our, way, but ended up that way.
1: Is this our first interview on Star of Spoilers?
2: I think this is our first Star Wars Spoilers interview. I,
1: I think it is. I think it's the most appropriate one I could ever think of, to be first.
3: <laughs> Definitely. Steve and it worked out. Keaton in the house. <laughs> That's our family ties fans. Yes.
2: <laughs> we I actually talking to Michael Gross, I ended up. Basically just sort of tracking the character of Bert and his portrayal of it, not necessarily just focusing on a cold day in hell. And he promises to come back if they make another Tremors, uh, which he also pitches his ideal idea for. So stay tuned, definitely, for that. But first, Joanna, do we have any reviews of
3: our uh, a Tremors podcast? <laughs> we have so <laughs> many reviews of our Tremors podcast. Uh, I'm gonna start with the th- the two star one, and then it sort of gets better from there. Two stars, BD one five nine eight wrote, "Work on your speech, Joanna. You do a lot of podcasts, and for someone that speaks and writes for a living, you need to listen back to your episodes and try to improve upon your speech patterns or have much heavier editing. You have some insightful contributions, thanks, but they are buried in the sheer amount of you know, um, like, uh, like." This is consistent across your cast and in a lost in space to review. I can't even get through a few minutes to hear what you were trying to say. Overall, these casts could really benefit from effort in trimming, editing, and structure. So that's one review.
1: I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do these people, do the people who write these kind of reviews, do they mute it when I'm talking? Like, are they not listening when I like space out randomly in the middle of an episode? Come on, guys.
2: Uh, or, uh, like, also, <laughs> are these people, they don't care that I call things, like, Star Wars and Star Trek, I interchangeably use those all the time and that, can't pronounce a foreign-sounding name for the life was of me? literally once that you did that, the Star Wars, Star Trek thing. Okay. It's <laughs> only once that you've caught me. As the person <laughs> who's editing this show, dear reviewer, let me tell you that there are things that I do cut out.
1: Right. There are. I just, I feel like there's just some standards application inconsistencies here. That's all I'm saying.
3: Five stars. An unfortunate announcement from The Doctor Abides. On May the 4th, in the year of our Lord, 2018, I fell down. Podcast remains five stars.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry.
3: Oh, Doctor Abides. <laughs> he
1: was my proctologist.
3: Um, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do a couple more. Um, if I could have one character trait from each host, five stars, from David, quote, unquote, no facial hair, I... If I could borrow a character trait from each host, I would borrow Joe's ability to discuss a million things in the most likable way possible. Thanks. Seriously, I think Joe has more than five podcasts and she never seems to run out of interesting things to say. That's not true. I would borrow Dave's ability to respond to any topic Joe brings up with thoughtful insight. I have no idea how he knows so much. He must be Watu the Watcher in disguise. (laughs) And (laughs) PS, sidebar. Before I read this review, (laughs) before the podcast started, I had to ask Dave what Awatu the Watcher was and he knew the answer so that just fulfills that part of the review. I would borrow Neil's ability to ground Joe and Dave's conversation to something digestible for the audience. I consider myself an above average student of pop culture but sometimes without Neil Joe and Dave uh, can get into conversations that sound like R2D2 and BB-8 getting into an argument about the intricacies of Ion Drive. This podcast started as one about Game of Thrones and has naturally evolved into one about pop culture in general. Now that I'm old I don't have as much time to explore bad pop culture like Iron Fist and I appreciate having a group of people I trust filter out the bad for me the solar eclipse glasses for my soul now i vaguely remember someone on the pod saying that if i wrote a review i could request a topic since i'm expecting a newborn any day now how about doing something with baby friendly entertainment uh
5: no.
3: <laughs> david quote unquote no facial hair i or l i think it's i maybe it's l um we will think on that I, I think right now dave correct me if i'm wrong there's some some of that going on over in the fighting in the war room feed Uh, Well, two of
2: my co-hosts have like, yeah, young children. So uh, very occasionally we dip in one of our uh, quarter quells, which if you haven't listened to other podcasts, every 25 episodes we have a quarter quail where each of us brings a movie that you could watch and then we talk around like a topic. We had movies we wanted to show our hypothetical children or in their case, like real children. That might be a good one to go check out. Uh, I think for this podcast... I think there is a way into doing children's friendly entertainment. Uh, I just haven't found like a really interesting way to do that yet. But it's it's definitely something I'd be interested in.
3: It's not the Tremors episode. I'll tell you that much right now. Um, no. And then I'm sorry, please indulge me. I only read one more. Five stars, Magpie Sigil. This is, this is in response to the negative review we got kind of. The nerd friends I need better than we deserve. I've been listening for several years and honestly just can't stop. I tune in every week even though I'm not familiar with about 70% of what they're covering on the off-season tour. But their charisma and conversation is so charming, I listen anyway. The absolute best thing about these three is that they actually engage with their fans. I've gotten responses on Twitter from all four accounts, Pod and their three personals, on different occasions, and they almost never make me feel dumb for not knowing what's going on. I live for every um and uh and like because these podcasters are truly thoughtful and passionate and um, that's what people really sound like in like real life when they aren't reading a script. Also five months strong, hashtag don't fall down 2018. Thanks, Magpie Sigil. Thanks for all of you for reading, uh, leaving your reviews. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. And you guys are great.
2: Yeah, great. Um's and ah's, and take them if you want them, and leave them if you don't. Uh, you're going to figure out how to milk a graboid. All those things are promised. Uh, Neil, Yes. your section's called We Talked About This Already. We yes. actually have Game of Thrones to talk about this week, which makes sort it a of. fun week. Sort of. Sort of.
1: Yeah, I guess. uh, Well, first, let's get the Con of Thrones shtick out of the way. We are now less than 20 days to Con of Thrones. Three weeks, essentially, to Con of Thrones. It's going to be very fun. Can't wait. Uh, They announced this week that uh, Carrie Ingram, who played Shireen, is returning. She was a lot of fun last year for those who were there. Uh, Actually, no, for those who weren't there, I'll tell you the story, that uh, she and Sam Coleman crashed one of our Great Debates panels, and it was... I believe the uh, youths call it off the chain. It was very off the chain. Uh, we also have onesies on order. At least I do. Well, onesie on the way to my house. That's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, so if, you've, if you're still on the fence somehow about Con of Thrones, now would be the time to make a decision.
2: Am I really doing three days in different fictional worlds, or was that a joke? what do you mean i'm just making sure all my outfits are in place so i have a a formal looking dracula onesie that i ran by my parents this weekend and they're like yes that's a onesie you could go out in so i'm like excellent (laughs) Uh, and then last week you were like i made some sort of joke about like coming as different things and you mentioned my star trek outfit i definitely have and then i still have like a full kylo ren i'm Uh, like i've only worn it twice so like that wouldn't be necessarily i wouldn't be against oh no that.
1: dave though at least one day we have to go like everyone went to the met gala for our religion panel
2: okay oh, see that would be the third day all i'm saying is that i already had two
1: <laughs> zendaya and i have the same stylist
2: <laughs> well as if i could find someone to back up my chain mail but yeah i'm only yeah. one fictional world away but then am i also that weird con guy who's like making the unfunny joke that he's at the wrong con while being at the same con all three days. I don't know.
3: Only y- one way to find out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hello, Miss K
2: Sicky. I am Lieutenant Dave Gonzalez of the Starship Federation
1: Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> um I will say this. Uh oh who just put up a Redbubble store with great stuff.
3: Yeah, he's got his oh yeah, he's got so he made some What's he made some merch for for the con. So it's Redbubble slash people slash wiki rascals. If you just type in Wiki Rascals, you probably get to Redbubble. But he's got uh this really cute dragon that he designed um that he's selling on there. Uh he's got a great Tormund shirt.
1: I bought the uh, Tormund shirt. That's oh, where this whole story was going. So
3: go- oh sorry, I didn't mean to spoil that. <laughs>
1: No, 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 it's okay. Um, I was trying to uh, find the link, which you have provided to his awesome store where I bought a Tormund shirt. So that's what I'm wearing at least one of the days.
2: Oh, nice. Okay, so, like, also, um, okay, so just dress ridiculous, you're in a fan safe zone is my, my uh, the thing.
3: I yeah. love that he put three dragons in Torment. When I've seen it, like, I know he has a Jora design. I thought he made designs to bait all of us, but I guess he decided just to <laughs> bait you, Neil. And then he's got yeah. these three really cute dragons. And then he's got some other stuff that, like, uh, he and his wife are wearing to the cons. It's going to be really fun, so.
1: It's going to be so much fun, guys. So much fun um actually there's all kinds of torment shirts out in the world i may buy a, a couple of them <laughs> a different torment shirt every day
3: wow I'm, Googl- uh, I'm definitely not googling jorah's shirt right now <laughs> 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 oh all i'm getting uh, is that ugly yellow shirt
2: <laughs> okay so now it. i'm hearing we're going to have to keep this conversation going before i pack because the theme might suddenly <laughs> change <laughs>
1: So I mean if we're coordinating, yes.
2: <laughs> to to be continued on wacky uh Storm of Spoilers looks at Con right. of Thrones.
1: Well and and uh I think it's worth noting that Storm of Spoilers merch is always always cool, no matter where you are and what you're doing.
3: Well we don't have any of that for sale, so maybe we shouldn't be right doubting like You it right can
1: now. buy other cool stuff now, but if you if you have <laughs> yes. that kind of merch, you can br- you bring it. Definitely bring it.
3: Great.
1: Um okay, so that's the Con of Thrones update. Um, a little more research could have been done before that by me. Uh, but there is something out there. Game of Thrones Z. This is a little spoilery, so if you're, you know, skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't. If you're like no production spoilers whatsoever,
3: I'd say more than um, more than thirty seconds. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, give us give us like a minute.
2: Keep Um, skipping forward until you come back and hear graboids.
1: Right.
3: (laughs) Crabboards.
1: But anyway, so there was uh, Maisie Williams, who's on social medias, uh, posted a picture of uh, herself vacationing in Seville, Spain, which is very, very interesting coincidence, because that is where Game of Thrones is currently filming Dragon Pit scenes, so far as we know. So there's a lot of, uh, and here's what I love about this. I love the, just the Joanna level journalism. Um, I know I didn't, I don't think you wrote about this yet, Joanna, but like whoever wrote this post for Watchers on the Wall is like, as you can see in the sunglasses, there's a reflection that matches up to this facade.
3: I want to, I want to give it even, even more credit. It's so Watchers, it's a great post on Watchers, but they got it from Reddit. It's the Redditors who figured it out and it wasn't even Maisie Williams feed. It was her boyfriend's feed. Ah, yes. So they pulled it off her boyfriend's Instagram and anal- and enhanced and enhanced on her sunglasses yep. to find the hotel, the recognizable Seville hotel. Uh, Sevilla, Hotel. The Alfonso 13. Reflected in her sunglasses. I mean, they're big sunglasses. It's not like they had to like zoom in that hard, but yeah, you're right. Thank you. I mean, bless you yeah. for calling it, jo- it Joanna level investigation. That's really charming, but... Um... <laughs> well
1: it's um and so so that is of course a hotel where the cast stays as well which i think is uh, also interesting so safe to assume it's likely that Maisie williams um is going to be appearing in king's landing scenes joanna what could she possibly want to do at the dragon pit
3: god who likes to go to the dragon pit I mean, we should point out, actually, I mean, being really honest with you, I mean, I'm being facetious, but being really honest with you, Lena Kitty has not been spotted down there. So there actually mm-hmm. are some question marks as to what Arya would be doing there. I mean, your first guess would be she's in King's Landing and maybe at the Dragon Pit to assassinate Cersei for some reason. <laughs> for, for, right. For a whole list of reasons. Uh, but Lena Kitty has not been spotted in Spain, so we don't know for sure if she's
1: Oh, there. maybe she doesn't make it all the way to the Dragon Pit. Mm. Interesting. I mean, there is an idea, like, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is it possible that there are scenes at the Dragon Pit after this is all over? You know? Is this like a, we get Arya walking through King's Landing after the the finale of...
3: Queen Arya and (laughs) King Gendry, like, surveying (laughs) their kingdom?
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe they're tearing it down and building a new world. You know, in our skyscrapers, world, dragons, indoor plumbing. Won't,
3: dragons won't be in pits.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're anyway. free. You're free, Drogon. <laughs> You're free. You're the only one left.
2: Freeze Sorry. all motor
1: function. Sorry your mom is dead. And then dead. the yeah. series fades to black. <laughs> that really is going to be the greatest moment <laughs> in the history of television. When
2: <laughs> and Gathers that ends. was A Song of Ice and Fire. Freeze <laughs> all West motor function.
3: <laughs> and that's my later ne- latest narrative, A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh
2: mm. yeah. Okay no, it pulls it back on Arya and Gendry, you know, building a new world, and there's Anthony Hopkins and a whole bunch of people in suits, including us. We're gonna be in it.
1: Yep. We're definitely gonna be in it. So mm-hmm.
3: tremors.
1: <laughs> and then a Graboid shows up. Boom. Graboids. Uh so yeah, that's all I had to say about Game of Thrones um and Con of Thrones and onesies and t shirts. <laughs> we could talk about tremors now.
2: Excellent. Graboids, that means, you know, if you were skipping around, I just said it. I don't know how how you'd be noticing on the waveform, but if you did, Graboids, it's happening. It's Tremors, a cold day in hell. It is the sixth entry of the Tremors franchise. It follows Burt Gummer as he has to go to the Canadian Arctic, uh, which is thawing, and in thawing has revealed Graboids. And of course, where you get Graboids, you have ass blasters. Uh, No Shriekers, those have been revised out of the franchise.
3: Of course you have Ass
2: Blasters. If anybody who's watched the first 10 minutes of Tremors 5 knows the Graboid life cycle and which parts we ignore.
3: Listen, I'm just saying...
1: Right, and no one can say Ass Blasters unless you have Ass Blasters in the movie, so of course they're there.
3: Exactly. Watching this movie really underlined for me... Once again, and maybe I said this the last time we did a tremors episode, uh, what a miracle it is that the first tremors like doesn't reek of B movie cheesiness.
2: Let's let's talk about uh. tremors in order of enjoyability, shall we?
1: <laughs>
3: uh I
2: think as the person I think it's who's... just like
1: it's one and then every all the other ones.
2: Oh, there's a very specific order of all the other ones. Uh, oh, okay. Neil There's one, there's five, because five is Balls to the Wall, CGI, Graboids in South Africa that rips off Jurassic Park for a lot of its action sequences, but really effectively and kind of tongue in cheek wise. Uh, there's four, which is the flashback one, which is just like a I think we as we discussed very honestly on our previous Trevor's podcast, is just like a really you could feel how low budget direct to video it is. That like some of the sets are just sheets, but they're doing like the bare minimum land shark sort of funness. And then I'm going to have to say this one. And then three, which is Aftershocks, which is, or no, three, which is Return to Perfection. And then two, which is Aftershocks, which is in Mexico, which I'm sorry, Bert. And uh what is it? Bert and Eddie go to Mexico. And that's the one with the shriekers, which are the heat sensitive, velociraptor rip-offs mean, uh, that cannot fly. You mean Earl? Did I say Bert and Earl?
3: You said Bert and Eddie,
2: which I don't know, maybe... maybe Eddie, like how... Eddie, sorry. Bert, no, no, Bert and Earl. You're right, Bert and Earl. <laughs> you <laughs> might
3: it's know... It's like Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I know. You might know the life cycle of a graboid, but I know the first movie better than I know my own self. Um, that's good. That's, that's it's fair. Still, it's
2: still the most enjoyable one, and I think because it has an actual balance of... Uh, like characters that is good for oh that I can type of movie.
1: I I've got an even more simple way to distill it. Yeah, the first one doesn't know it's bad. Like they didn't know that they were making a really bad schlocky cult movie, and it's not even bad. It's not bad. The first one acts like it's a real movie. The 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 five since then are very aware of what they're doing. Like they're very aware that these are not like so this movie. A cold day in hell is a movie that's set in the Arctic, but is very clearly filmed in the desert.
3: It's st- <laughs> like a warm is, weather location. There is one sequence in snow, and then one sequence and in then snow, then
1: sort of. Global
3: warming <laughs> explains that they look like right. they're in the desert. That was <laughs> the Indeed. interesting. That was the interesting thing about this is like we talk so much about how the Tremors franchise has become like a, uh, you know, sort of stand your ground anti-government franchise which
1: libertarian fever dream i believe is what i like to call it
3: which this installment is as well but uh there's also the tax
1: man literally has a license plate that says tax man but
3: at least yeah he does at least like the global warming thing is also part of it i mean they're
1: pro science
3: just (laughs) anti-government here's
1: techno libertarianism it's like mark zuckerberg uh,
3: you first joanna (laughs) here's my Two things I want to say about this. Three things. Number one, Jamie Kennedy is like better than I thought he was. He's in being
1: best. He's like best, he is the best version of himself. Best
3: Kennedy. Yeah, be best, be be best, best Kennedy. Kennedy. Um, there are a lot of references to the first movie, more so than I think usually a Tremor sequel does. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why this is the one where they decided to like. Uh, go back and then um the whole thing about Tremors is that it's like you, you Dave just used the phrase like land shark it's Jaws but on land right except then there's like a Jaws sequence <laughs> in this one because there's uh, someone in the water and there's eggs and she steps on them it's a J- it's Jaws In the middle of this movie, there's a Jaws segue. And I was like, you can't make a movie that's a riff on... You can't make a franchise that's a riff on Jaws and then do Jaws in it, right? And then
1: do literal Jaws. Yeah. Um, But here's my question. So that woman in that sequence, is she the same South African woman that is in the first scene? Because I'm pretty sure that there is one actor who plays two characters that get killed.
3: There are eight women in this movie that are... Re- no, six of whom are reasonably interchangeable to me, and two of they're whom, very
1: similar. Two
3: of whom I could tell you who they are. There's <laughs> blonde leader lady, and then there's right. Val's daughter. That's right. And then there's the other ones, and I don't think I I I can kind of pick out. Well, no, I the pilot obviously I can pick out, but like the the guys, I think I can pick them all out. But there's still like at least a few extra characters that we don't necessarily need, and like yeah, a lot of characters, and they don't even act as like graboid fodder. It's not like they all die like a lot. The body count is not that high. And something we talked about in when we talked about the first Tremors is how uh, cleverly and efficiently they introduce all the characters, so you know who everyone is and what their thing is. This movie really misses that. Like you know who the Gummers are. Um, See,
2: I think this movie might have had that at some point. But at some point, then they decided not to have it because guy who flies model airplane doesn't use that model airplane in the plot, which I always thought was like, oh, well, like, here we go. Until the very end. This guy's... Well, I... And even then, I'm like, I don't know if Spoilers that's just like tacked on. for Tremors. Well, please have watched Tremors or made peace with not watching <laughs> Tremors 6, A Cold Day in Hell, just at just this kidding. point in the podcast. Just kidding. But uh, yeah. This is it's... where you
1: should stop and load up Netflix. And...
2: I think like the weirdest thing is that the first four Tremors movies are trying to you know roll out the momentum of the first one, but then there's a 10-year gap between four and five, and when they come back, they're like all oriented around the Burt character- who was the comic relief character previously. So it changes the whole formula, at least of how the movie's supposed to work and sort of changes my expectations of it where it's like, even I think last time we did Trevor's podcast, I was like, you guys really should dip in and check out five. It's like dumb fun. And the reason is, is because they're like, Hey, our ass blasters are kind of like the Raptors. Why don't we have them corner two children in kitchen? Much like this one is like, hey, our land sharks can attack underwater and we could use a lot of the like Jaws tricks of not showing the monster, but in a Tremors movie, because we're a Tremors movie. It sort of lines up for me. I kind of wish that there was more things that were like so blatantly like the thing that could be read as homage, because I think the weird thing that A Cold Day in Hell does or the thing that sets, I think, the chemistry of the whole movie off. Is Burt and Travis, uh, Jamie Kennedy, are like the center of the action and the ones who know what's going on, but they both are ha- interacting with the supporting cast with different chemistries. So for Burt, everything is, you know, dire and everything's dangerous and it's life or death, and Jamie Kennedy is sort of like laissez faire. flirting with everybody making jokes about things about how big his balls are like and that's two different movies i feel like in the fifth one it made sort of sense because there was a story intertwining both of them that was speaking to the bloodlines theme they tried to develop this one doesn't so much has a theme as it has two competing characters like butting against each other and trying to motivate the way through on those sparks which it does for a while, but not long enough to sustain the whole movie. I don't it think. does.
1: It does have a lot of daddy issues, which are um, it's very Spielbergian. Yes, uh, but that's about the closest it comes. I will say this: this is probably my number one, uh, and I, I, okay, great. This is.
3: I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's recency bias, but this is my favorite sequel.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Um, I okay. So this is going to sound like a criticism, but I will admit that um most of the other Tremors movies have been really fun. Like they're, they're fun because they get it. They, they understand what they're doing. It's just, it's weird and gross and silly. But I think what separates the first one is that a Tremors movie and maybe, uh you know, Monster hunting people movie in general works better if no one has any clue what's going on at the beginning and they have to like figure it out how to defeat. Like, that's one of the great things about Tremors is like it's this whole movie about these people uh, in this town that have to like figure out what to do with this thing that just did not exist in their minds previously. See, uh, uh, I don't know because that's these movies, the having Bert and uh, Jamie Kennedy's character, whose name I just don't even know um it makes i don't know it's it's i don't know if it softens it or it makes it less interesting to me um it it's it seems to lead them into places where the dialogue is just terrible but it's like it's really not great to have somebody who really knows what's going on because you kind of know that everything's gonna be fine
2: i mean it makes it weird to have uh like paranoid gun nut libertarian monster hunter as the rational center of your movie i think is what as the
1: hero because it it kind of becomes and this is going to get way too political i'm sure we'll get all kinds of reviews but it kind of does become this like libertarian to a person's like version of porn it's like it's like this if you're if you're someone who hates the government loves guns this movie has all the things that are very specific to you that make you feel like oh my god if Graboids ever showed up, I'd be the guy. Everyone would look to me for help, which I think is just a weird thing.
3: Right. Because um, in the first one, it's these like, the, the guys it's the, it's, are the like,
1: It's the fuck ups. The fuck up dummies. <laughs> save them. The
3: fuck up dummies yeah. save them. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting. We are recording this uh, af- after the, previous Charmers episode we did, which was before the gun debate sort of changed in the US, or you know, we have I don't know that our personal opinions about guns has changed that much because we were always like pretty um pro gun control, I will say. But um but given the, the the way the conversation has changed, like Bert's passionate obsessive love for a gun in this film, like, sticks out a little bit more than like I always thought that the Heather and Burt characters as portrayed by Michael Gross and uh, the great Reuben McIntyre, uh, and their gun obsession in in the first episode of the first season, were fuck the first movie. Were oh, um, <laughs>
1: leave that in. <laughs>
3: were were fun and funny, and they made fun of them. They made fun of them for being yeah. nuts, and now it's like they're no longer like being made fun of. They're right. You know,
1: so... Right, it's weird. and No, I will, um, say, I
3: will say, in this one, like, Jimmy Kennedy is right often when Bert is wrong. Bert keeps pushing himself because he's got... He's infected by graboid parasites of some kind. Right. Um, <laughs>
1: I have expected a graboid to come flying I, out of his chest at the end.
3: I know. Dave, does this change your graboid life cycle uh, schematic?
2: Uh, does it... Ge- Yes, it changes the Graboid life cycle schematic. First of all, I mean, I want to circle back to the guns thing before I get into this because that's more important. Uh, I did think it was interesting in this movie, uh, one, that they have like a fake out of him using an airsoft gun at the beginning. Two, that Bert uh, is constantly on about the paperwork and legal methods you would need to use to properly handle a gun and uh three that they continue their longstanding tradition of not uh using guns against humans uh which is to say that i think the that shows that they are aware that the conversation's changing but again joanna's completely right and that's part of i think that's where i end up starting in a conversation with michael gross is like how do you go from liberal dad on family ties to bert and he's like that's sort of what was exciting to me was to go from everybody thinking I was, uh, you know, raising young conservative Michael J. Fox and then to suddenly show up as gunnut Nut with Reba, Ma- Reba McIntyre was like a shift for him. And it's kind of interesting how now, years and years later, it's like, that's your character. He's like, oh, I, I was worried about being a liberal dad. And now I'm a libertarian <laughs> monster I had,
3: hunter. I had such a crush on Stephen Keaton growing up which is a weird thing because i was very young but uh he was just like very beardy and i think he was an architect i want to say i just really liked him the liberal fun liberal dad with a beard it's great anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: but yeah uh, the other He's thing come is, a long yeah, way i don't understand how uh graboid venom works or why it would work
3: is it venom
2: Or whatever it is. Okay, so it comes from, like, that sack in the mouth, which would suggest to me venom, not milk. Because what are you feeding through your mouth like that? That seems more like a bite or a thing. And he got it by being swallowed in Tremors 3. So it's like a multi-year virus that doesn't, like, manifest for... What I think we're dealing with here is someone's, like, we don't know how many Tremors movies we're going to make. We're getting to the point where we could have a Burt Gummer trilogy since number three was the first one where he was the star. Can we link that movie from basically a different franchise narrative to our two movies with Jamie Kennedy and talk about legacy and the way they figured out doing that is having consequences from movie three move all the way through movie six because biologically it doesn't make sense like how the eggs come from the ass blasters that hatch into the graboids that eat until they become shriekers that mutate into ass blasters except if they want to skip that step if they're the african bloodline gene or apparently
3: the canadian north arctic gene Man, this is just not what I signed up for when I like pushed all of us to talk about tremors in the first place. I I love <laughs> that we
1: are out here yarnwalling the tremor cinematic universe yeah. after two straight weeks of Infinity War.
2: <laughs> it's perfect. It was the perfect. Decompression. It's really.
1: It's it's they're they're pretty much the same thing. So it's like yeah. it's like when does Captain America's contract run out?
2: we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap up the Burt Gummer legacy guys
1: right because he has to go on and uh, make a Sherlock movie or something I'm really getting it crossed up now um I had other thoughts
3: oh that was a Robert Downey Jr. joke okay Um, yeah it
1: was definitely great um I (laughs) would like to say that uh this film the production value is pretty much on par with everything but the first one
3: Higher than some of the other ones. We've seen I mean, before.
1: the monsters I think I thought were better.
3: Yeah, I and I, but like, like
1: the the easy production value, like like getting a good plane or like well, you <laughs> know, doing a plane crash.
3: You know that I always advocate for puppetry over CG, but like I, I will say the 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 grabby snake things, the tongues, yeah, yeah. um, like the way their like fangs and their mouths and that are like suckers work in this is a little scarier than the little like foam worms that come out yeah of yeah ones. those are left over from five
2: they could detach it everything you really should watch tremor no, stop, stop stop, <laughs> <laughs> it's right there on netflix you already and said it is you're on enjoying the, what jamie kennedy's doing with the character i thought
3: i watched part you of like it like jurassic park i think i watched part of it if not all of it after we recorded our i will
1: episode. say this you're right <laughs> that those look good did we need like a 10 minute scene of like one by one people trying to kill them <laughs>
3: You know what we didn't need is that like, well, what I don't understand is that weird scene where the girl gets grabbed out of the window. That seems She like... gets
1: grabbed in a lot of very interesting ways.
3: Oh, I didn't notice that, but I just I feel like.
1: You didn't notice the last one that grabs her right between the legs and sucks her out? Um, like really specifically between the legs like i was like
3: oh great uh that was a choice um (laughs) i was more i think maybe i was in the full throes of like i am frustrated that they can't save this person because it seems really easy to save this person
1: yeah because like no one had a knife
3: no one could yeah and he was like it was one person was barely trying to hold on to her hand and no one else who was also there like was going around to try to grab her by another appendage and then you've got the like um and so that that like bothered me but they could have easily fixed it if like it had been bert trying to save her and then he got like attacked by his like stroking parasite thing and he let her go because he was debilitated or something like that um there's also the callback to the first film where jamie Kennedy's trying to get a blonde leader lady to like take her pants off because it'll save her and i'm like whereas that was like i don't know why but it struck me as like weirdly charming in the first film and it was like real gross in this one, <laughs> um, so yeah. But I, you know, who I did like, simpler times. You know, who I did like, start to finish. Uh, Val's daughter, Val Junior. I think she's like Valerie, right, or something like that. I really liked that character yeah. and that actress. And if the franchise wants to go forward with her, I would be into it. And it almost did.
2: Good pivot point to talk about the not happening sci-fi tremor series anymore that was going to star kevin bacon raising a daughter in perfection so we got like it's weird because at that at the point this movie was in production uh i don't know if the two were aware of each other but they were definitely both planning on going forward with that character and now uh tremors a cold day in hell is gonna be the one that. Do you think the only version of it? Apparently,
1: wait. So they're. Are, are, do we know that they're not connected? Because I think that they would were explain not connected. W- oh, because if they were, that would explain why there's so many callbacks to the first movie in this one.
3: I know. What but if, now if, if, that I know in, they're like, not connected, that's back, interesting. A backdoor pilot or something like that, but it's not. Yeah. Uh no, it was like it was. I, I don't know. I, I can't think of a. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like when. <laughs> it's like when the X Men movies. And the Marvel Avengers movies both introduced Quicksilver, but it was two different Quicksilvers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we would like, have had
1: two Val Jr. <laughs> lady versions. Yeah.
3: You just had to <laughs> deal with the fact that there were all of a sudden two Quicksilvers. Only one of them made it out of that particular thing alive. But still, there were two Quicksilvers for a time. There would have been like two Val's daughter. I mean, like, if that's... Like, cause you could kind of accept, like, if you bring Kevin Bacon back and do Tremors, and I'm actually glad that TV series is not going forward because I don't need anything, um, really interacting with the first movie any more than these sequels, which are like fun to watch. I'm not like bagging on them. I think they're fun to watch. Oh no, um, don't get
1: us wrong. We love these movies.
3: Love, love <laughs> might not be the word that I look for, but they are really fun to watch. Dave
1: and I love these movies, but
3: um, <laughs> but it, uh, but but like. The overlapping parallel storyline might have been a little too much to handle, you know? For sure. Yeah. It also, like the- I
1: think, would have been a very, like, disparate situation, like, visually, because the sci fi shows are probably a little better looking than some of these movies have been.
2: Mm, maybe. I.
1: Like, this, I will agree with you guys that this is the best looking sequel so far, like, from a. From a monster standpoint, but they, they look kind of cheap. I'm sorry to say. They're very cheap. Yes. And I, I feel like if sci-fi were doing a series with Kevin Bacon, they would have been putting okay money into it.
3: Yeah. I mean, their, their, their version of The Mist, that was sci-fi, right? The Mist? That looked pretty good, I think. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. so I think that would be another weird thing that they did or that 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 would throw people off because it's like this doesn't feel like tremors like because at this point what feels like tremors is a movie set in the arctic that's clearly filmed in a desert
2: (laughs) yeah i i have counterpoints but i can't record them and broadcast them to a podcast audience so you're right neil (laughs) everything you're speculating about the sci-fi series is definitely how they were planning to do it Oh, no. I never said anything publicly otherwise. Uh all right.
3: Uh, is that so? Is this a good segue into your interview with Michael Gross? I, I believe
2: so. Yeah, we're gonna we could we could do that right now. Guys, stay tuned for me talking to Michael Gross about what it's like to play Burt Gummer over six Tremors movies, and maybe a seventh. Here we go. Alright guys, uh, you're about to hear my chat with Michael Gross. Uh, Michael and I were connected over a cell phone connection that then went bunk, so I had to call him back on his cell phone, and that's the recording you're going to hear. It's phone to phone. old The old-fashioned way. You know, back in the day. Before Skype. Let's do it.
4: So, at the very beginning when you encountered Bert, you were coming off of Family ties. What like drew you to such a drastically different character? Well, um, uh,
5: that's a good point. Uh, for, what <laughs> drew me to um, to Bert in the first place was he was well written from the beginning. Um, uh, so that was it was comic gold. The the comic paranoia, if you will, the obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, comedy is about extremes in some ways. People are. Completely out of balance, um, and uh, and he uh, he qualifies, and um, in, in, in the greatest of all comic possibly possible ways, and um, so uh, that and the fact that um, so it was a great character to start with, but it was it but the fact that it was came right on the heels of seven years of playing a very different sort of character was I saw uh, a wonderful opportunity uh, for an actor. Uh, Because the question for somebody coming off a series is, wow, my golly, am I going to be typecast? Will there be other possibilities after this? What will those characters be like? Uh, Will there be uh, the opportunity to play vastly different characters? And fortunately, being cast in Tremors answered that question in the affirmative. Uh, Yes, there would be work. Yes, it could be different sorts of characters. And with, with largely a background in theater, um, I was accustomed to playing many different sorts of characters on the stage. And so one of the things that always drew me to this, this art or this craft or whatever you want to call it is, uh, is variety. Playing characters very much unlike myself, playing characters very much unlike the, the character I played the day before, or the week before, or the month before. So I do love that variety. And uh, I think I probably feel more at home a freelancing than I do having um, you know a single job, let's say on a television show. I think I, I although I immensely love family ties and the opportunities it gave me, I think I feel more at home in the in the freelance world. Um, honest to God, had I wanted steady work, I would have done something else for a living, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I I never expected to have steady work as an actor. It's been a blessing. But um Variety is one of the things that, that 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 drew me to this. You know, one day you're the cowboy, the other day you're the Indian. One day you're the good guy, the other the next day you're the bad guy, and I love that kind of uh, that kind of career.
4: You know? Yeah, I mean, I think even within birth, you see like some change, especially in the first two movies. You had, said, he's some sort of a comical outside uh, loner that gets pulled into these, you know, fighting these monsters. But in the third movie. Bert sort of has to take over the lead as uh, the, the person who's dealt with all of this before and is the most senior Graboid hunter. Did that change your portrayal of him at all since he wasn't necessarily isolated as a comic character but had to be the protagonist of the movie? Um,
5: you know, I've always... Um, that's, a, that, that's a good point. You know, uh, I've always thought of myself as as Bert, as as the loner, uh... uh Misanthropic, you know, doesn't much care for the society of other human <laughs> beings, uh, and uh, particularly, uh, well, you know, as as he get, gets older, uh, he's re- he's really a loner, and um, I found myself thrust into the role of the protagonist only because other people dropped away. In the first film, it was Kevin Bacon and myself and Reba McIntyre and Fred Ward. In the second war, in the second one, it was Fred Ward. Uh, Kevin had dropped away. Uh, Reba had gone other places. Uh, uh, In the third one, I I was the only last man standing, if you will. So, um, but I've always felt Bert uh, was, I never felt Bert as the lead. He has a certain expertise, but, um, uh, you know, I was, I had this kind of thrust upon me because uh, everybody else was was not showing up to do subsequent subsequent Tremors films, and I loved the character too much to leave because I always thought the comic possibilities of this man were so great that I couldn't say goodbye to him if people were continuing to uh, to make more films. Um, so that's how that evolved. Uh, I would gladly have replayed. Uh, Bert, just being an ancillary character with with Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward and others in the lead, uh, but uh, I was the only one who kept showing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess put it that way, and uh, so I kind of had this uh, thrust upon me. Um, I still, I've always thought of myself as a as a character actor, as a member of an as an ensemble actor rather than the lead, and I still refuse to. Uh, you know, these, these new films are always peopled by plenty of other uh, human beings. And I think, uh, and some of them are quite eccentric. I think Bert is just the most eccentric of an eccentric lot. Um, and, uh, uh, but I always feel, I feel myself as very much part of the ensemble. I've always felt that Bert operates best with um, quote-unquote normal people around him because it shows off how nutty he is by contrast. You know, I always I've I've said on more than one occasion um, when I first was doing the days of Family Ties, happy days uh, with the Cunningham family, Tom Bosley, uh, you know Henry Winkler, uh, you know the Cunningham family, uh, Ron Howard, the Cunningham family uh, was a nice, normal American family, and one of the reasons the Henry Winkler character, the Fonz, was. It out so much was because in con in contrast to the to the Cunningham family he was not a normal human being and I feel the same right. way about Bert I never want I never want to carry this film by myself I want to be an important part of it but um, but Bert uh, is always most interesting when you surround him with many other people who don't think the way he is he does um, and that's what makes him effective I think so I never uh, I would never want to do a series with, you know, focused on Bert. There, were, there was talk years ago of doing a series with Bert called, I mean, seriously, they've been throwing around titles like Bert's Basement. You know, he spent so much time in his compound. <laughs> you know, Bert's Basement. And you know be surround. And I thought, you know, it, it, I said to people, it just, you know, I, I, every actor wants to be a star in some ways. But that, that felt so wrong. I said it. The, it should be about perfection, this town. It should be about the community. And Bert is just one member of that community. But I never felt... I felt uncomfortable carrying it. So that's why we brought in other other great characters, like in 5 and 6, J- and Jamie Kennedy. In yeah,
4: that's, that that's actually... Important. Yeah, um, in ways uh, that challenge did it, Bert. Indeed. How does that change his perspective on life, do you think? Because not only does it... So Tremors 5... Those who shouldn't have seen it, which should have been all of you by this point, uh, we pick up with Bert as like easily over 10 years since we've seen him. And as you were alluding to, he sort of become this loner, uh, and otherwise would have isolated himself if part of his past didn't manifest in uh, Jamie Kennedy's Travis, your son. Um, right. How has that changed Bert's general outlook in life? Has he has has Travis managed to pry open his door to the world a little bit? Uh, that's a great question, and I think uh,
5: that's exactly what we were trying to do in Tremors Five. Was we said, look, if we're going to revisit. If we're going to revisit this man. Um, I want to revisit his interior, not his exterior. His exterior life is about fighting monsters. We get that. He's good at what he does. He's a great technician. Uh, he's at the top of his form. Um, What I wanted to do was investigate some of the monsters in his interior life, uh, (laughs) throw up a few challenges and hurdles to him. And uh, chief among those was in Trimmers 5 was introducing a blood relative for the ultimate loner, a man who was, let's just say it, kind of misanthropic. He doesn't care much for the company of other human beings. He feels safe when he's by himself, controlling his environment and controlling his own life. Uh, what What is it like when somebody comes, a heretofore unknown blood relative who says, Hi, I'm your baby boy, and I want to spend time with you. I've come to get to know you. That, to me, was a real hurdle for him. And uh, yeah. and, and I remember exactly uh, the moment when he, he, when Bert realized this was a blood relative. I said, he was in a truck, sitting in a truck, and... Uh, I said, I want Bert to jump out of that truck and just walk away as fast as he can. He can't take this information. He doesn't want to know it. And if you re-look at that scene, uh, I said to the director, I want to to jump out of that truck and just walk the other direction. You know, if he could keep walking, he would. You know, he he, he just wants to distance himself from this person. Um, That was his first impulse. And so... Yes, it does open him up to other possibilities. And by the end of Tremors Five he's has a sort of grudging acceptance of we may not be each other's best friends, but I'm gonna let you in a, I'm gonna let you in a little bit. I'm gonna crack the door open a bit, as you think like you said. And in Tremors Six, without giving too much away, if some people may have seen it, some may have not, Tremors uh, Tremor six we want to challenge Bert further. Say what's it like for him to find himself having to seed control to another human. <laughs> Bert, is, Bert is the ultimate control freak. He wants to micromanage everything. So what is it like when he can't quite be in control through no, you know, through no fault of his own? Uh, what is it like to give control over to somebody else, to give responsibility over to someone else? That hurts. <laughs> that bothers the hell out of him. And so we, we like to keep challenging Bert uh, personally as well as professionally. And um, if there's a Tremor 7, we'll do so even more. We'll take him to a... I love putting him in any character in a place of discomfort because it really shows who we are, I think, when we're, when we're pushed to an area of discomfort. How do we operate? Do we operate with grace? Do we operate kicking and screaming? Um, that, that, that's fun to see people in extreme situations. So, it's not just about the monsters, it's about the monsters within. I think that's kind of fun to re- keep re examining Bert.
4: Oh, definitely. And I think especially the even numbered Tremors movies do a lot for Bert because he's always reacting to whatever happened before. With the exception, I think, of number four, which you play Bert's relative, where you have to play a version of Bert that has none of Bert's hardline beliefs. He actually comes to them over the movie. Uh, where did you start with? I guess deconstructing a character back several generations. Boy, that was
5: that was all in the
4: that was all in the wonderful writing
5: of um, of Steve Wilson and Brent Maddock, the original creators of Tremors. Steve Wilson and Brent Maddock, who who said we want to take we want to do a prequel. We want, we we want uh, and that was up until that time, even even including number one, which was of course so fantastic. The most interesting time I'd have as an actor, because it was the journey he took from this rather snobbish man, Hiram Gummer, uh, Burt's grandfather, coming from the East into this hard-scrabble, God-forsaken town of rejection, Nevada, and uh, having to rub elbows with people who he didn't much care for in a town that he'd rather not be in. Um, uh, and and over the course of the film, learning to not only appreciate them, but love them and, and finally decide they were worth defending. So he had to... The, the journey of that character of Hiram Gummer was fascinating to me because he began in one place and ended up in a place that was very, very different from where he began. He was a man who knew nothing about firearms, who decided that this was something he had to learn to defend those people. He didn't much care for the people, but learned to love them and figure them worth defending. So that, to me, was, was fascinating. It's the journey a character takes in the, in the course of a piece that, that I happen to love as an actor. And so that was the comic gold, again, and the, the beautiful character uh, arc arc that uh, Steve Wilson and Brent Maddox uh, created in Tremors 4 that really rang my bell, every one of them.
4: Yeah, no, I love that. That uh, the, I love Hiram's arc in 4. It's uh, just so out of the blue and different, yet fits by the time you realize what's going on. Um, but but back to Cold Day in Hell, um, that's the one thing between Hiram and I think makes uh, Bert similar in Cold Day in Hell is uh, Cold Day in Hell is the first time that Bert Talks about a legacy as like something in the future. We've had Bert in the past, bemoaning uh, rem- uh, relationships that have gone wrong in the past. But is Bert now thinking about the future for the first time now that he has Travis along with him? Well, I think um,
5: he, he, you know, um, Bert a uh, tremor six certainly uh, brings to mind for Bert the fact that no one, that everyone is mortal, he included. So what do you leave behind? Uh, I think Bert thinks a lot of himself and, and begins to worry in Tremor Six. <sighs> if something happens to me, who will be here to defend the world from these graboids? You know, he, he is the guy. He is the man. He is the expert. And so, um, Travis, you know, if if not him, who? And uh, does he owe it to humanity to pass on whatever knowledge he has? of how to fight these creatures. Uh, and I think that's, that's something, you know, that's something he comes to think of, and anybody does it as, as you grow older. You realize the world and yourself are hardly uh, finite and, uh, and lasting. So, you know, that's something I, I deal with personally, too, and so we try to bring some of that into, in, into certainly Tremors
4: 6. You're right. Is there, uh, is there a legacy? right. Uh, If you had a limitless budget for the next Tremors, where would you go to fight Graboids next? If you finally got out of the desert, it seems like you could be a James Bond Graboid fighter now. Oh, boy. You know, it would be fun to... If we
5: had an unlimited budget, I think it would be fun to... You mentioned James Bond. I think it would be fun to fight Graboids in Rome, in Paris, in the south of France, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) all all the great cities of Europe. I think... It would be fascinating, but this again is a budgetary thing, and so much of our storyline is constrained by budget. To fight an, an urban an urban monster, you know, I mean, to to be on, on the streets, uh, graboids in an urban environment would be fascinating. In the streets of in the streets of Los Angeles or Vegas or uh, uh, any anywhere in the world, I think it would be that would be magnificent. Um, Unfortunate, You know, uh, you know particularly in a, in a city, I can think of the possibilities of Graboids already having man-made tunnels in subway systems. I mean, they wouldn't even have to burrow. They, you know, can you imagine Graboids in, 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 infesting a, a subway system of London, one of the largest subway systems in the world, or, or, or New York? That would, that would be, be great stuff, but I don't think our budgets would allow it. It's that simple. So that would, be, that would be a great dream of mine, <laughs> you know? Urban, urban Graboids,
4: yes. Urban Graboids, fantastic. Uh, last question, since you've been the person around to witness every type of Graboid evolution from practical effects to CGI, which Graboid encounter that you remember was the most difficult to film?
5: Um, probably the invasion of that, of that monster in Tremors 1, uh, in our in our base in in his in Bert's basement in his uh, in his compound uh, with Reba uh, because that was done in a soundstage uh, that was done why that was a that had to be one take or nothing you know um, they had that graboid that came through that that was a full sized graboid on a track. Uh, um, on the other side of that wall, and it was a physical piece on a track that was pushed through that wall. As that wall came crashing down, they had cameras shooting from every angle because it would have been too costly and too time-consuming to, uh, to, to reconstruct that wall and, 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 and have that thing come through there, come crashing through there again. It would have taken another day or two of setup to get it right. And so I can tell you, just from my standpoint, all an actor thinks about in cases like that is saying, oh, I hope I don't F this up.
4: <laughs> I,
5: hope if I, 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 I don't want the responsibility of screwing this shot up, of falling down, or saying a, getting a line wrong, or something like that, because so much is depending. They've got, they've got six cameras going here. They're trying to get it from every angle, and they want to do this once. So by golly, you don't want to be the one to screw it up. So um, I would think there's a certain amount of responsibility in that. You know, really, CGI gives you more. CGI gives you more room for, to, to to mess up. You know, when you're working in the in, it's like being live when you're working with with 3D pieces because uh, the destruction is happening right there in front of you, and it can't be. It's not on the computer. It can't be set neatly into the piece. Uh, after you've done your work. It's it's a part of the work. And so there's a certain responsibility, it's like live television. Um, if you if you screw up you better find a way to get out of it nicely because they're only gonna shoot this thing once. So I guess that was to this day the most um which the one in which I've felt the most responsibility because you're always you don't you don't want to be the blame for something going terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, right. so much at stake. And it was just, uh, you know, that was a full size creature in a full size room, and that, that, uh, that wall came crashing down, and we had to back off or get, get hurt by the wall itself. And uh, so CGI, in a certain sense, makes it easier for you. Uh, you've got to use more of your imagination, because there's not a real thing standing in front of you, but, uh, uh, but it's a little bit easier because you might not actually get hurt, you know, and you can quickly say, all right, let's take two. <laughs> you can't do right. that uh, in, in the circumstances that we were that we were set in, in Tremors 1
4: that's for sure so well luckily still, uh, we got it immortalized uh, in the first Tremors movie
5: yeah yeah and what a you know and to top it off with that great line you know broken with the wrong goddamn rec room I mean that's <laughs> big, again comic genius that, that that line is marvelous. they've given uh, they've given some, some great lines over the years and uh, and uh, bless them for that, the writers. I owe it all to them.
4: And then also, I'm sure to protect Michael Gross's rec room uh, just by reputation for time <laughs> immemorial. memorial. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, thank you anyway, so much for taking the great... time to talk to us.
5: Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, tremors is uh, one to six has been a great ride. And if there's a tremor seven, I hope to talk to you again about it.
4: Oh yeah, definitely. We'll have you back, and we wait for it with bated breath, just to know what the legacy of Bert Gummer's is going to be. Well, thank you so much. It's been
5: a real pleasure. I appreciate your uh, your time.
2: Yeah, that was Michael Gross. He's incredibly nice, and as you heard, he promised to come back on the podcast if we do a Tremor Seven episode. So, Which,
1: I mean, it's safe to assume that if they do a Tremor Seven. We'll do a podcast episode about it.
2: Oh, yeah. The point being is the gauntlet's been thrown in two directions with that threat. Tremor 7 and, Storm of spoilers, uh, Tremors episode number 3. But they're only getting better. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll have to uh, make this a revisiting thing. I'm pivoting hard, but also making Tremors promises, I swear. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Speaking of things that we often revisit to get new perspectives on, Neil, what are we doing next
1: week? Oh, next week we're going on a trip to Park 7 from Delos. I call it the Steeple of Crazy Town.
3: It was built. It's, it's the secret park.
1: Guys, we're going to be talking about Westworld. Um, that's a Westworld joke. Steeple it was very funny in my town. mind. I liked it. <laughs> it's the Steeple of Crazy Town, which is adjacent to the um citadel of crazy town which also might be in westworld we don't know (laughs) although they're not all the parks aren't called we'll talk about this next week never mind we'll just that's that's what we're doing next week we're doing a westworld check-in and theory episode it'll be fun
2: so if you are you need to be caught up by at that point westworld season two episode four in order to fully storm out with us on that episode
3: storm out Yeah. yeah yeah No spoilers for future episodes, but like all Crazy Town all the time. We're going Endgame. Yeah,
1: which
2: is not the title of Avengers 4. Oh, we could have done that. We talked about this already. We'll save it for another episode.
1: (laughs) It's going to be called Uh, Avengers 4. Oh, God.
2: It's going to be called Avengers 4 Graboids. Um, (laughs) But until next week, when we will, you know, get to choose our white hats and black hats all over again, where can people find more of your work on the internet?
3: Miss Joanna Robinson. You can find me on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. My podcast, Little Gold Men, has a great interview with John Legend this week. Uh, And uh, you can hear me talking about Westworld stuff to prepare you for our Westworld podcast on Decoding Westworld and still watching colon Westworld to Westworld podcasts that I do.
1: Hey, Mr. Neil Miller. Uh, Get me over there on the uh, filmschoolrejects.com or follow me at Rejects, where I'll be tweeting about Some really random stuff, which is just sort of where I'm at these days. (laughs) Um, But also, don't forget to follow our show at Storm of Spoilers on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Storm of Spoilers. Or email us your Westworld theories. Let's go with theories. Let's go with season two ends dot 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 theories. Uh, So Storm of Spoilers at gmail.com.
2: Ooh, I like just write for the ending theories. Just
1: go for the ending. Like, what is? How does this season end? I yeah, think that's that way we don't even have enough. any
2: cheaters. We just have all pure craziness. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at da7e. Pinned there is my Westworld timeline that I'm attempting to make very accurate because. Oh, that's you what know I'm doing me. this week.
1: I'm going to read that.
2: Yeah, exactly. If there's one thing I like doing, it's arguing about life cycles of graboids and timelines of Westworlds. Uh, you'll see uh, at my Twitter profile. Uh, you can also find my other podcast, podcasts dot com. and until next week, stay upright, don't fall down.
3: Graboids!
1: And reset to first position.
3: Not oh. reset to first Even position. Even if a graboid comes for you.
2: <laughs> definitely don't <laughs> fall down if a graboid comes for you. That oh is the yeah, worst no, time you to need to definitely down.
1: stay as upright as possible with the graboid situation.
4: In the sky of the snow, rose Has the face like the snake Black Hole Sun, won't you come? Wash away the rain.
5: Black
0: hole. Selling a little. <coughs> or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. plus shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom all lowercase go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash audioboom